0: Hi, this is Bria Grant from Heroes and writer of We Will Bury You, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.
1: Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this.
2: So say we all.
1: This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. God, God, so we're all going to die.
0: Only try to realize the truth
2: you are always you are listening to the
1: sci-fi diner podcast and now from the end of the
2: universe
1: bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows
2: here are your hosts Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is Episode 95. My name's Scott Herzog, and I'm one of your hosts here at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And
1: hello, I am Miles
2: Kimballman. Yep, and if Miles sounds a bit distant, 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 he's up in the remote regions of Coal Mining Town, PA. Yep, so. up in the mountains. I
1: have a training to go to. For work, and it just
2: happens to be an in Altoona. Yeah, so the way we rigged this up is we, we put a big satellite on top of the mountain. We hardwired his laptop into it, and we barely got a signal.
1: But, but this, these are the great lengths we will go to to, to uh,
2: record a podcast. And folks. to bring you the diner, to open up the diner for this very special evening of sitting with you guys and sharing with you what's going on in the world of sci-fi. So some very cool stuff.
1: Well, we got a
2: lot of good stuff to talk about. Now. Yeah, so let's let's leap into it because we have a jam-packed show and there's no way we're going to get through all of this. But we're going to try our best and we're going to try and limit it. our news stories about four minutes a pop if we can do that and go from there. We of course is uh, our listener question, and this has been the listener question for the past couple weeks. And some people have already shared about this, but we are heading to show 100. We're show 95. Show 100 is not that far away. So, a couple of things that um, I'm 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 asking for input from you guys. What do you think of the current show show format? What would you like to see change? What would you like to add? You know. Show 100 is a great time to change things, or maybe show 101. The other thing that I would love to hear either your type feedback or your written feedback would be your favorite moments on the Sci Fi Diner. And that could be an audio where you call into 1 888 508 4343. Are you going to send us an email with an audio file or just email us and you know we'll read them on the show? So I think that would be awesome to hear, don't you, Miles? Very much so. Yeah, I know I have some favorite moments from the Diner, too. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, jump into the menu tonight. On the menu tonight, we are going to be bringing you an interview with Bri- Bria Grant, um, and uh, who is the author or uh, one of the co-authors of "We Are Going to Bur uh, We're going to bury you, a comic book on zombies, and of course, she's well known as her role as Daphne in ah. Heroes and also on Halloween 2 We have a new trivia tonight. We're also going to be sharing you some, the, the guest list for Shore Leave 33. And if we get interviews with all these people's miles, I'm going to be absolutely static.
1: Oh, static? Yep. Well, I'll be stoked.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I will be uh, ecstatic, ecstatic, not static. I'm going to be moving. So I'm going to be moving. Wonder Woman, we have her in costume. What do we think about it? We're going to share. Um, why it was good <clears throat> Firefly was canceled. Yeah, I don't like this article. I'm making Miles read it because I don't like it. Why the needs a third season. Stephen King on Walking Dead? No, he's not playing a zombie. Sorry, guys. Terry Pratchett on Discworld. He, of course, is the author or one of the um, originators of Legend of the Seeker, and he has an idea for a Discworld series. The Hobbit has begun, thankfully. Daredevil? We have some play people that can play a Daredevil reboot which is in discussion. We have Captain America throwing his disc, Miles is throwing Star this week in Star Trek, and Radu is throwing the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And that's our show. Did I miss any stories? I think I hit most of them. Yep. I think we did. Miles, let's head on in to the new 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 trivia question.
1: Okay, well one of my new favorite shows, of course, is uh, The Big Bang Theory. And if you've watched that, you've seen uh, uh, other actors who have been on uh, other sci-fi shows to the delight of uh, the characters of Big Bang and um, uh, us, us, the fans watching it. So we, we got a um, – this is kind of a Battlestar Galactica Big Bang Theory question. Can you name two actors from Battlestar Galactica that guest starred on The Big
2: Bang Theory? Yeah. Now, do you, now, Miles, you're confirmed that these are the only two or the only two that you know of? Um, these are the only two that I know of, but um,
1: if, if 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 listeners um, you know mention anybody else, I'll, I'll I'll double check it. But I mean, I'm up to, I'm up through season three right now and watching Big
2: Bang. So, so, so you're good to go, right? You're good, you're good to very good. And um, the reason we're doing the BSG on Big Bang is why. Well, um, the, the winner of the question will get a signed Tamar Petticut photo. Very cool, and this, of course, picked up at Farpoint. You can find photos of that on the Facebook fan page, but it's awesome. You will have until April 19th to answer this question. And if you want this photograph, you you must answer more than just a question. You must provide the code word, which we're going to give you only in this show. And the code word is, Miles, so say we all. Excellent. So say we all. Send your answer with your mailing address to the sci-fi diner podcast at com. Call us at one to leave your answer or DM us on Twitter, which also works at the Sci-Fi Diner. And again, make sure you include your email address with all entries as well. One entry per person, void where prohibited, um, taxed where appropriate, but um, or taxed where appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Oh, and Brady, I will get the prize pack for the Brown Coast Redemption off to you. I've just been slacking. So I have it here. I am meaning to send it. All right. Well, let's move into our podcast promo for tonight. Our first one. And this is something from Kevin Batchelder that he started, oh, um, I guess a, a part of the Tuning into Sci-Fi podcast. And what they've begun to do is what they call a Saturday B movie rail, And they've begun to take Sci-Fi's B movies. And begin to walk through them, and so it's current ones. But then they go back and watch some old ones as well. And so, if you like the B movies and you watch, you like the Sci-Fi Channel original movies, this may be something you want to check out. Hi, this
1: is Kevin Batchelder, <laughs> and this is the Saturday B Movie Reel.
2: Shoot it! Shoot it! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's about describes it, Yeah.
2: All right, everybody stay here.
1: We look specifically at the Sci Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Be known throughout the ages as an
2: instant classic. <laughs>
1: we need a bigger gator! Uh, limb cutting and <laughs> blood squirting from. <laughs> flying limbs, <laughs> from I called it on my notes.
2: What could go wrong?
1: We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since there have been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. Please, no! By this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBmovieReal.com.
2: Our future depends on it. Make it safe. And we're back, and we have a ton of different news. We're primarily going to be focused on some con news. We're going to give you some news in the TV world and the movie world. And, of course, Miles, you have this week in Star Trek. Very much so. Yep. So uh, why don't you start us off with a little bit of con news? Well, uh, we are going to be going to shore
1: Leave the 33 this year. It is July 8th through the 10th. And, uh, listeners, if you're in the area, uh, I encourage you, if you can, make it to this convention It'll be great to see you guys. And also, this is a great guest list. Um, you have Christopher Judge, who's in Stargate uh, um, 1. Um, he's as Hector. Uh, of course, the lovely Tricia Helfer from Battlestar Galactica, and she's been on everything right now. Uh, Eddie McClintock, Pete from uh, Warehouse 13. Uh, of course, uh, Q himself, John DeLancey. Uh, we'll have um, uh, some classic uh, Star Trek uh, actors um Gary Lockwood, uh he was in the second pilot of uh, of Star Trek the original series. Um and also uh, Sally Kellerman, um she's done tons of stuff, but she was also the second pilot of the Star Trek the Original Series and was the original uh uh Hot Lips Houlihan in the in the MASH movie. Uh also uh Emile uh Ulrip, uh he was in uh, uh Sanctuary, uh um, Valser and Smallville. And Reese, uh,
2: and I think it's pronounced Emily.
1: Okay. And so, and also Cliff Simon from uh, uh, SG One. Right, he played um, ball. So, a very impressive guest list they have, and the nice thing about going to these cons is you get a lot more one-on-one time with them, a little more face time with them, and uh, uh, you just get—it's it's just nice experience at the conventions with smaller fan-run cons. And also, there's. Um, a lot of the Star Trek uh, authors will be there as well.
2: Yeah, including um, our good friends, what Dayton Ward, Kevin Dilmore. Mm-hmm. Oh, the list goes on. There's yep. more than what we have here. Larry Nimchek's going to be there.
1: Oh, that's going to be great. I'm yeah, and so to is that, and so university.
2: is Daryl Forsetti.
1: Very good. We um we we, we talked about uh, Daryl a few months ago. We were um, just uh, raising awareness that uh, he was having some health problems, and uh, our friend uh, Christopher Wood from Subspace Comms was a uh, trying
2: to help raise money for uh, his medical bills so yep and and we're working on maybe getting him on the next podcast so be uh, in tune and we'll give you updates about that as well well let's move into some tv news we have we got our first official look at the new wonder woman in costume new wonder woman in costume and what do you think miles well it. it- the only major di- change was they
1: kind of gave her pants, uh, these spandex p- pants. Um, but it's, it still looks like the Wonder Woman costume, just, uh, a little more updated. Um, the, the tiara is not quite as, uh, big and bulky as the one worn by Linda Carter and, uh, maybe seen the comics. Uh, you know, I'm okay with it. I know, I know it's, uh, created some controversy, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm
2: not hating it. Yeah, well, there's no stars in her underpants. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know. Is she, you yeah, know, I, I remember reading Go ahead. something. Go ahead. Why well, I just remember reading something
1: that I guess they're trying to, I mean, her, her original costume kind of like had a, you know, almost like American flag motif. And I guess they're trying to, I don't know, make her
2: costume look more, like, less nationalistic, I guess, I, I should say. Right. Let's see. I I don't know. There's something when they tamper with these icons that I don't like. I mean, I understand we're supposed this will probably get syndicated if it can or be shown to other parts of the world, but I just don't know. You know, when you start Mm -hmm. pulling apart stuff like that, um, maybe people just maybe it's just uh, maybe there's a pride thing here that we aren't just we aren't pride we aren't proud of being American. I mean, we love when people are British. Why wouldn't we love? Why wouldn't we love when people are American? (coughs) I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just Mm -hmm. being picky. But she, I only know is that she is going to be sweating to death in that outfit. It's total latex,
1: right? And, and here's the thing. I mean, if if, if the show takes off, the, the costume can be changed and updated more. There's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing saying that, that couldn't happen.
2: Maybe this uh, is. Maybe this is her winter outfit. I mean, she has a summer one. That that could be. Little I mean, tight the, hot pant bottoms.
1: Well, in, in the original TV series, uh, when it when Wonder Woman needed to. Uh, Go into water. Uh, she had another costume for kind of a kind of a scuba outfit for you know whenever she had to go underwater or something. So um, so yeah. Um, what I'd be curious with the new Wonder Woman are they gonna go back to? I mean, in the comics, she debuted during World War II and then came to modern day. I wonder if they'll be doing that with a new show.
2: Maybe they'll debut during the Gulf War and bring her to modern day. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so that, that, I'm just curious. I mean that's that's kind of uh, um that's kinda of how the original Wonder Woman got it. Yeah,
2: well Linda Carter approves of the outfit, so I guess that's good.
1: Right, and um I, I think I read somewhere as you know, she's not got a bad mouth because I guess she's hoping for a cameo. <laughs> but, hey uh,
2: you bring Diana into a cameo you can certainly bring Linda Carter in. Right. Yeah. Alright, well why don't you take us into our next story, Miles?
1: Okay, now I don't necessarily agree with the author, but he does have an interesting, uh, interesting point. Um, why you, why we should be glad that Firefly got canceled, and um, the 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 author you know throws out some things why um, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, and the author himself says that you know this person you know he likes Firefly also, but uh, but what what it did was. Um, he, he, if Firefly would have kept going he would have said uh, the verse would have been smaller um, other actors that had other opportunities um, you know, Nathan Lane wouldn't have um, got the uh, Castle uh, gig um, Summer Glau got to do some other TV shows um, uh, Joss Whedon himself um, he, he's directing the new Avengers movie so uh, so some things we wouldn't have gotten if uh, Firefly would have uh, kept on going because the actors would have been still committed to doing the show and then Joss Whedon
2: wouldn't have committed to doing it. Uh, means, also, uh, go ahead.
1: Um, Adam Baldwin wouldn't have done
2: Chuck, and Chuck has been a huge success. So Summer Glau wouldn't have done Terminator. Mm-hmm. Joel State wouldn't have been a Stargate. There have been no brown coats.
1: Right, and um, like I said, I don't know if I agree – I mean, I would have wanted to see a longer Firefly series. I think they could have done a lot more. But, but yeah, some people have had a chance to really uh, take off with their careers um, after. And Joss Whedon wouldn't have done – we wouldn't have gotten Dr. Horrible either. Yeah,
2: think. nor the comics. He did the motion comics, which were kind of cool as well. All right, well, let's move into some V. All
1: right. Seven Reasons Why B Should Get a Third Season. Um and uh, the, the author is saying, I'm not going to lie, ABC V has been flushing to watch because while well, I love parts of it, so many characters and the decisions they've made drive me crazy. So imagine my, my surprise when I watched the season two finale Mother's Day last night and got excited by the possibility of a third season. So I'm going to go, listeners, just beware, there's, there's going to be spoilers ahead. So th- now this is what I'm not sure but uh, we, we saw it appeared that Tyler got, got killed. Yeah,
2: appeared um, is a keyword appeared. Right.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm holding out. Well, I'm reserving judgment to, uh, uh we know for sure. Also, um, and so th- this show is also about other characters that, appear, that appeared to have gotten killed off. Um, Morris Chestnut's character, uh, Ryan Nichols. Um, I the, liked uh, Ryan. I liked Ryan. I, I liked him too, but, uh, we saw it appeared that his daughter wasn't too happy with him, and wrapped her tail around his neck and snapped it. That's what it looks like if that happened. And let's talk about Diana herself. Uh, looks like when she she was able um, when she got all the people around her, and she was basically take appeared to be you know getting you know uh, taking over as queen again. We see her getting impaled with uh, Anna's tail, dude. And, and dude, wasn't that a scene? That was a crazy scene. Uh, is she dead? Um, I, I don't know. So, um, but it, it was just like it, it, it. Probably some of those people will will not be coming back next season. But, um, but it was still that the last last episode was was phenomenal. I thought, and it definitely raised a lot of questions in, in my mind and other people's minds. So, but this author thinks that they, they should get a third season, and I definitely think they should get a third season.
2: Right, and. Uh Notice they uh, bring in Mark Singer, huh? Yeah, he started yeah, the original he, V.
1: Right. Um, he's playing um, another character, uh, a different character, well, well, basically another resistance character, but more of a government operative uh, uh, that, that, that basically organizing other other governments' military just, you know, in case things went wrong with the Vs. And uh, um, Erica's F, uh, FBI boss, he's in it too, so. And then we see all the end. Um, Anna is able with the assistance of, uh, uh Amy is able to bliss the whole human race. And, and even father Jack, who has been one of the st- stronger, um, speaking out vocally against the V's. So it's going to be a different season if they get another one. But, um, I, I really, I think the show deserves a third season.
2: Yep. Well, you know, I'm, a, I've been a faithful watcher and we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And, uh, I agree. They commented on some things they didn't like, like Tyler was annoying sometimes. He was, yeah. And Erica was kind of wishy washy sometimes. I didn't, you know, I liked Erica, but there were times earlier on where she wanted to fight and didn't want to fight, and then Jack wanted to fight and take the path of least resistance, etc., etc., etc. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to our next story. Stephen King may be on board for the second season of Walking Dead, and as we said earlier, he is not a zombie. Uh, at the Walking Dead panel this past week at C2E2, comics, and other geekery convention in Chicago. One of the Undead's hit stars, let Slip the Horror Luminary, might be saddling up for a tour in Zombieland. While feeding questions about whether executive producer Frank Darabont um, Darabont would be directing the second season premiere, the answer was no. And by and by, Laurie Holden, who we'll be bringing you an interview with later on, shifted giddily in her seat around 1045 and said, I heard a rumor that Stephen King's going to write one. Now, that is still, as Holden states right up front, a rumor. But it's a rumor from The Walking Dead's inner circle. And Darabont and King have a very long history together. Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, The Mist. So another collaboration wouldn't be all that out of the realm of possibility. So I'll I'll put the interview in or the interview, the clip in where they actually talk about it. But Stephen King, talk about a great guy to have directing or writing an episode of Walking Dead
1: right and pe- people who watch you know anything with zombies probably read his books so they're probably very happy about this
2: you know i'm reading through uh the stand right now i've never I'm, i've never been a huge reader of king i've seen some of his movies but i've never been a reader but i'm reading the stand partly inspired by the sci-fi christian podcast and cuz they're doing a read along and they have like a reading um, Guide where they read so many chapters a week and I think they're discussing it in the fall sometimes. It's a pretty thick book, but I'm in the middle of that and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm happy to see that King might be here in the helm. Um, he also has a TV series on the stand that's coming out and there's another series that he's working on as well for TV. So there's a lot in the plate for King. But it'd be totally... Excuse me, this Master of Heart. obviously it'd be uh, totally cool to see him, you know, doing Walking Dead.
1: Right. I've only seen one of his movies, uh, Pet Cemetery and... Uh- Let's just say I didn't sleep well that night and I haven't <laughs> watched any any of his movies since.
2: I think I watched part of Dreamcatcher, uh, which was kind of mediocre. I watched The Langoliers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of a two-part uh, uh, movie that I kind of latched on. I've s- seen parts of that a couple times. I think I just was paging through TV and it was on. Terry Pratchett is pitching ideas for his new Discworld TV series, and if you're a Legend of the Seekers fan and you loved his writing... This is something you might want to tune in for. Remember those rumors a few months ago that said Disney might be making a Discworld movie? Bad news, it's not happening. News so wonderful makes us news so wonderful makes us squeak. Discworld will be coming to television as a police procedural. If you read if you read Discworld, you know that some of Terry Pratchett's most colorful character, characters uh, are the City Watch, aka policemen of Unk Moorpork. SFX, a television show which has been named "The Watch," uh, would revolve around them. Characters would likely include the newly sober Captain Sam Williams, the lazy Sergeant Fred uh, Colon—that's a great name—and the casting director's <laughs> nightmare uh, uh, Corporal Noobie Noobs Nobs Nobs. I don't know how you pronounce it, N o o b b n o b b s knobs. Because the watch is currently in the planning stages, another police procedural, Rob Moore, 17th Precinct, will be the first out of the gate. But the watch is something the 17th Precinct will never have, Sir Terry Pratchett himself. Lucky SOBs at SFX recorded a brainstorming session with Pratchett, producer Rod Brown, production designer Ricky Ayers, and scriptwriter Gavin Scott on speakerphone. And i uh, embed the clips and you'll listen in to see what they're saying. So if you're a fan of Terry Pratchett and the series, um, you want to check it out. I've never read any of the Discworld series, but I have watched some of Legend of the Seekers. And I, that is on my rewatch list.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So have you watched any Legend of the Seeker?
1: No, I have not.
2: No, it's a kind of fantasy based. I watched the first three episodes and they took it off on of Netflix and I didn't have time to watch it. I'm in the middle of Voyager right now. So come on, that's taking up all my time. And let's move into some t- uh, movie news. Third, uh, This is my third uh, news story in a row, and Miles, we get the next one. But this is Hobbit news. We, of course, are very excited to announce that finally filming for The Hobbit began. So we rejoice because it's been a long time coming. And to mark the occasion, New Line Cinema has released these two lovely uh, set photos, proof that Peter Jackson has recovered from his perforated ulcer. Um, And is ready to take on the year of photography and post-production needed to make the film's late 2012 release date. The photos aren't just confirmed, a confirmation of Jackson's post-surgical health. There's a third photo that shows the director during the production of Lord of the Rings before his enviable weight loss. If this isn't evidence of the power of a yogurt and a mucle diet, nothing is. And so if you look at it, did you see these pictures? I haven't seen him yet, no. He is a thin man. The first two show him, and then when you look at his bottom one, whoa, has he lost weight. Wow. Good for him. Yeah, so uh, very, very cool. And, you know, just awesome to have The Hobbit in production. Yeah, we've
1: been waiting for that for a long time, so uh, I'm glad it's finally going to
2: happen. Yeah, we announced early on that it was going to be shooting, but just because we announced it's going to be happening doesn't mean it is. But it seems like Mm. they finally are off the ground. So pray for no catastrophes and uh, no tsunamis. Our, our hearts are with the people of Japan, by the way. But Well, why don't you talk about the 10 actors who could make the new Daredevil swing?
1: Well, um, if Fox is attempting a movie reboot of Marvel's Man Without Fear, they'll definitely need a new star. And I'd rather contemplate any further the prospect of uh, Robert Pattinson strapping on the Crimson Leathers. Here are some other far better options, including one curveball. Which of these blokes could bring the most to uh Matt Murdock, the blind attorney at law who patrols the New York City night as Daredevil. Um, one suggestion was Michael Pitt. Um, his role in HBO's Boardwalk Empire has shown that this uh, former cherub has got the steel of a real actor. Uh, steel that, that that could be set
2: to work in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, and I ben, haven't I haven't ever watched Boardwalk Empire.
1: No, I don't get I don't have get HBO. No. Uh, another another suggestion is Ben Foster. Even though it seems like he b- 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 buries himself. Uh, almost unrecognizably in movies like Thirty Days of Night, 310 to You, and X Men: The Last Stand. Okay, he was the guy with the wings. His, his talent finds a way to shine. Yeah, uh, don't, James. Don't uh,
2: have a don't have a don't have a comment on him either.
1: Yeah, um, James McAvoy, uh, no stranger to comics or American uh, acts, accents. The one X Men first class, <coughs> excuse me, veteran can bring both intelligence and physicality. Physicality required to make Daredevil
2: bounce. I like uh, him. Did you see Wanted? Uh, I have not seen Wanted, no. Yeah, he's good. I like him. That movie took a little bit to get going, but once it got going, it was awesome.
1: Uh, Another one is Ryan Gosling. Um, uh, Who are we kidding? He'd never do it, despite the fact that he can uh, simmer like a few actors and really tear into the role, forcing you to buy both the lawyer and the vigilante. The Indian Dwelling would never do it. Where would he? And another interesting choice uh, Chris Pine, uh, the new Captain Kirk. Sure, he's our guy's franchises. Star Trek and a, a nascent uh, Jack Ryan reboot, but there's a smarmy pluck to pine that could serve daredevil. Well, so, uh, that's my vote
2: right there. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine. I just saw and him. I, think, in, I just saw him in which one? Unstoppable. Phenomenal film, by the way. I loved it.
1: I'm going to check that out here. That's really good. Yep. Very good. Now this is the I, I think my, uh, I, I could see a potential at uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, inception, uh, and uh, Days of Summer has shown uh, the r- very range of this former child actor, his gritty, suave action chops, and his lay on the uh, outside comedic timing. It's a perfect blend for Daredevil. He looks uh, too much he, like Ben Affleck.
2: Look at that chiseled chin. I don't see Ben Affleck
1: in him. Um, he was also Cobra Commander in uh, G.I. Joe, in the G.I. Yeah. G. Joe movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, another one, Chris Hemsworth, and uh, maybe he, he's a hair too big for Matt Murdock, but but he's already uh, embroiled in the Marvel units with Thor. Who cares? He may be grand. Um, uh, another uh, interesting uh, 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 guy for this is Michael Trucco um, from uh, BSG. Uh, he's being wasted on basic cable legal dramas. If you're anything like me, when you first saw him on Battlestar Galactica, you said to yourself, that dude's a damn hero. Maybe this could be his shot. Well, it's true. Um, uh, Cillian Murphy, is he simply too pretty for the part? Perhaps. And last, and uh, not least, maybe someone to say that, but uh, uh, Ben Affleck. Um, no, not, not, not the star. Been there, done that, but he's a fantastic director. If his whole David Slade thing doesn't work out, Ben Affleck's better behind the camera than he ever was in front of it. And he knows how to film cities from the bottom up. Plus, he's got a passing familiarity with the character. Um, so, that's a, um, those are Ten, 10 suggestions for um, uh, for a Daredevil
2: reboot. Chris Pine, Chris Pine all the way. Um, I could see him or or, or, or Gordon Levin. Yep, uh, I know you're a Gordon fan, but I uh, Chris Pine. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm loving on him. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Captain America, of course, put a new trailer out. It's not really a new trailer. It's more like an advertiser for entertainment tonight. But we did get to see something that we haven't seen before, and that's him throwing his shield. We will embed that video in the show notes. Miles, upfront impression on that trailer.
1: Um,
2: makes me want to see the movie even more. Yeah. So we're waiting for that to come out. That comes out this summer, right? Can't wait. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can't wait. Well, Miles, let's get into this week in Star Trek.
1: This week in Star Trek, I thought this was uh, noteworthy because uh, uh, we're going to be um, eventually releasing an interview with uh, Talon Pedicate, and he told us some of the, what, what he's going to be doing. But uh, Jerry Ryan is going to be in uh, the web series uh, um, Mortal Kombat. A couple months ago, it was reported on a trailer for the live action web series uh, by, by director Kevin. Uh, Hankerin, starring Jerry Reiner as Sonya Blade. Recently, Jerry did her first interview in the set of a new series and talks about her experience, including the tons of action sequences she sought, boosting her cool factor with her son and uh, Sonya Blade's a finishing move. Uh, so, there's a. I want to thank our fr- friend Chris Wood for uh, posting this. Uh, you go to his site, and there's a, uh,
2: an interview with, there with her about that. Is it a video? Um, yeah, it is a video Oh, maybe I'll, have to, I'll try to embed that in our show notes When does she come into Voyager, by the way? What season? Season 4 You mean I gotta wade through two more seasons before I see her? <laughs> That's the only reason I'm watching Voyager, Miles
1: It'll be worth the wait Oh,
2: uh, alright
1: wait, wait. The show will really get good in
2: season 4 So you mean I gotta wade through another season and a half I'm enjoying Voyager, by the way But there are some, there are some slow episodes at the beginning here Right all right, go ahead and tell us, Give us your next news story of Star Trek.
1: Well, um, this already aired, but you maybe they may air it again, uh, or you can catch it online. It's definitely worth seeing if, if you if you can catch it. Uh, uh, William Shatner's uh, raw nerve. Uh, um, he had on uh, LeVar Burton, who played the Forge on uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, and Walter Koenig, who was the original uh, Chekhov on the original series and movies and uh, I post this and Chris Wood caught attention to that so he, he gives me a little bit of kudos there but uh, on Bios Channel Shatner's nervous serving up a Star Trek a doubleheader starting off with uh, TNG's LeVar Burton uh, and um, in the preview clip of the episode LeVar describes his, his time on the set of Roots discusses his most difficult scene while filming the miniseries uh, for me Roots is all about family he says it's about uh, who we are and, and why we why we are the way we are says LeVar when I read the, 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 those uh, first sides for Kunta, I knew exactly who this kid was. I had no problem putting myself in all those situations. So LeVar then goes into detail about his most difficult moment on the series. Um, and then, then, then uh, Walter Koenig uh, joins the chat to discuss other other things his time after Star Trek's cancellation. It was very, just very depressing, extremely depressing. I was losing my sense of identity, you know. I was becoming this amorphous being in my own mind. You define yourself in terms of what you do. You have to work at something, Walter continues. When I tried, uh, was writing, it was enormously reinforcing. Every day I accomplished something. If I wrote half a page, I accomplished something. And, um, and, and Walter Koenig, he, he gets very honest about his, his feelings for Shatner at that time. And Shatner lets him, you know, be, be it's a very honest interview, but it seems like they, they're able to put some things, put that negativity in the past. And, uh, um, um, It was just a a very interesting interview with uh, Walter Koenig and with LeVar Burton, too.
2: Very cool. And we'll embed the preview clips in there so you can at least see the previews. Well, Miles, thank you so much for bringing us This Week in Star Trek. So uh, well, let's move into our last promo for tonight, and this promo is for the Aussie Geek Podcast. Now it says Aussie in front of it, that doesn't mean they're just talking about stuff that's good in Australia. They focus on all sorts of tech that's coming out from around the world, and give they give their unique perspective on it. And they, of course, are members of the Lifestyle Pod Network, as we are. So make sure you check them out. This podcast by Dave Gray and many others in the in, in Aussie Land, and um, here's the promo.
1: The Aussie Geek Podcast brings you the best from the world of technology. Each week, Dave, Kate, and Keith, the token Canadian, bring you the highlights from the week's technology news, along with great software finds and the best of the web. The geeks are joined by friends of the show who bring their own unique and global perspectives on the world of technology and the way we live in it. Join us each week for the Aussie Geek Podcast. Subscribe today in iTunes or visit us at aussiegeekpodcast.com. The Aussie Geek Podcast. Bloody awesome tech.
0: Help
2: you, Matt. Ah! Daphne, don't. No,
0: Matt. No, no, you gotta come back.
2: Daphne,
0: don't. Matt. Matt, wake up. Matt, wake up. Matt, you've got to wake up. Wake up, Matt. Matt. Matt, wake up. Bring me in there. Matt, you have to take me in there.
1: Matt,
0: we got to go. Matt.
2: Get away from me. I can to help you. Oh, you stabbed me. That
0: wasn't me. Don't believe her, Matt. Take it from me.
2: A woman will betray you at every turn.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I don't mind being called a geek or a nerd. I'm sure many of you, our listeners, feel the same way. Well, tonight we get to speak with a real geek goddess who has crossed into the sci-fi, horror, and comic book genres. If you enjoyed such shows as Cold Case, CSI, Miami, and Heroes, uh, having played Hiro Nakamura's Speedy Nemesis... And if you have also enjoyed such horror movies as Halloween 2, and you have enjoyed the work of our guest tonight, the lovely uh, Miss Bria Grant. Miss Grant, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I just want to say I loved your character, uh, Daphne on Heroes, and was very mad when they killed her off. There was other people that they should have killed off uh, before <laughs> you.
0: Wow. Should I ask you who?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I've been to- yeah, <laughs> yeah, Miles, who would you want to kill off? Come on. Tracy, Um, you wanted Tracy knocked off. (laughs) I have a direct
0: line to Tim Crane. I'm going to call him and let him
2: know what you (laughs) (laughs) think.
0: Not really, not at
2: all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, You know, but, you know, there were certainly a lot of good, memorable moments in Heroes, and uh, a lot of them you you were in. uh, It was kind of sad to see you go.
0: Oh, thanks.
2: So. So uh, if I remember correctly, you kind of joined the cast of Heroes when? In season three? It wasn't at the beginning, right?
0: Right, right, yeah, season three.
2: Yeah, and tell us a little bit about how did you end up on Heroes? I mean, here you are. You're doing, um, I guess, the other show that you were kind of regular on, maybe at least semi was Friday Night Lights. You were on a few episodes.
0: Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I had gone and started doing Friday Night Lights at the uh, beginning of the writer's strike. Um, which uh, happened during that time. I don't know if the rest of the world was aware of it, but I, I think most people knew it was going on. And um, I did three episodes, and that was all they had written, and then the season ended because of the writer's strike. And I have no idea if my character would have gone on and done, you know, been around more, or if that was the end of my run there. But um, I did that, and then I got this phone call. I went back to L.A. because Friday Night Lights shoots in Texas. And I, I got this phone call when I got back to um, L.A., and they said, you know, uh, the writers from Heroes really like you and they wrote this role and they want you to come in and read for it. And, you know, I, Friday Night Lights was actually my first TV show that I had, I had done a couple of guest stars before that, but um, Friday Night Lights was the first big thing I'd done. So that was so out of nowhere that anybody had even was even aware of who I was. Um, so I went in and read and then um, tested up against a couple of people and ended up starting the show um, not too long after those Friday Night Lights episodes aired. So, um, I think all that aired in the fall of oh god, I don't even know what year it was. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, what I it was in the fall, and then I was on um, Heroes by the summer, wow. which is pretty fast in the acting world.
2: That is when Heroes was two thousand eight. Was when you were on Heroes 2008.
0: Right? yeah right. So my so my friend I liked stuff um, aired in. Uh, I shot it in the fall of oh seven. I think it aired early oh eight.
2: Yeah, I think that's what it. That's what IMDb sure. is saying. If it's if it's accurate, That it's not that, always. That
0: sounds about right. I was. I mean, I went and did Friday Night lights, and I went back and had to wait tables again because I, I. The writer strike was going on. I couldn't get a job, and, and I was waiting tables when I got the phone call from Heroes.
2: You know, the only good thing to come out of the writing strike. Well, probably for writers as well as writers. it was good stuff for writers, but for us as the audience and people watching, was Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, we wouldn't have had that if it wasn't for the writing strike. So I'm glad for that purpose only. But that obviously was not good necessarily for you as far as acting goes. Right. right. It was not
0: good. But there were some good things that came out of it. And I think a lot of people wrote some good stuff during the strike. You know, they couldn't sell it or anything, but I think maybe they were at home coming up with brilliant ideas. Hopefully.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, we certainly hope so. And that's kind of cool that, you know, people were noticing and you know, They kind of wrote that role just for you in Heroes.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I, I like to think so. But I, I think in reality, um, the story they tell me is that they said, "Oh, we'd love a girl like that girl from Friday Night Lights," and they were like, "Well, let's see if that girl's busy and bring her in." And I, I still had to audition and do, you know, a big, big song and dance to get the role. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was nice having some people on my team when I went in for sure. Some people who were pulling for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, your character had the power of speed, so I would, a lot of special effects had to go into uh, making you look like you're running extremely fast. Or the scene where you're beating the crap out of Siler in that alternate timeline. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. Can you tell us how how some of that look was accomplished?
0: The magic of movie making. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I, you know, it, I was actually running around a lot. I was doing a lot of running. Um, but they would just – everybody stood really still while I ran by. And, um, you know, they would speed up the cameras. And that's sort of it. I mean, they some of it was on green screen. And to be honest, like I don't understand the difference between – When you use green screen and when you don't, for the most part, it was people standing really still while I ran and then they would just speed everything up. Mm -hmm. Similar to the, to Mossy's power where everybody, you know, he would freeze time. But in reality, everybody was just standing really still. And, (laughs) and that was how they froze time on the show.
2: Right. And those, those made for some real good scenes when you saw those types of effects happening. They were almost just as cool as some of the stuff they actually did special effects with.
0: It was kind of an amazing – I feel like they really – I mean, you know, I, I keep saying it, it was not that big of a deal, but they definitely thought it all out. And, and especially just, you know, the first scene I was in where time was paused and then, um, you know, there's like papers hanging in the air and stuff. And that's all either, you know, CGI or um, just amazing production design. Uh, someone actually making things stand in the air and stuff. And, and that's sort of – the fun part of heroes is that they every episode had such a decent sized budget that they could do something like that um which is amazing cuz a lot of shows like that i feel like don't have the budgets to pull off the amazing effects that they had
2: did you have a stunt double that you had to work with or was it you doing everything
0: for the most part it was me i they you know they're they're very they're very protective of of actors cuz i guess you know if i break my ankle or something then um, they're pretty screwed for a while, right. but um, <laughs> true yeah they would, i don't know who they would have running around so during the fight scenes, you know they would have me do a lot of it, but then when it came to falling and stuff like that, they no one wants me to be doing that first of all, i don't really know how <laughs> i I'm, I'm pretty i'm I'm sort of a weakling, and so I think I would uh, get hurt but um yeah they they tend to have a lot of stunt doubles, but you know I get to do a lot of a lot of stuff like punch and, and Kick and
1: that kind of stuff. What was the uh, working atmosphere like on Heroes? Was it was it laid back, or or the directors run a tight ship?
0: It was unlike other shows I had done in that they take a lot of time to shoot one episode for sure. Uh, I think one, I think it, it was about for for each episode. I, and you shouldn't quote me on this because I'm not sure, but I, I think it was between ten days and two weeks to shoot one episode, which is, um, time, is a lot. That's for television. Money. Yeah, and it, which I think, I mean, to be honest, I think that's one of the things that happened is that, you know, that it gets expensive, you know, to do that, to have that many characters and that many effects in that long of a time frame. They always had two um, shoots going at once, so, you know, they would be doing shooting two episodes simultaneously, pretty much, two units going. Um, and so for that reason... It was like you know, rush, 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 but at the same time, they had a little bit more time than some TV shows, for sure.
2: Well, now I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to, and if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But looking back on Heroes, many people have said since uh, Heroes went off the air that it, it ended to mixed reactions. Hardcore fans obviously loved the show up to the end, but then there were people that felt like it lost its way after a few seasons. Mm-hmm. Do You want to comment at all about that? Because I mean, obviously, you are a sci-fi. You must be a sci-fi and Fan yourself to be doing a lot of the sci-fi you do. I didn't know if you have any any retrospective on that or any thoughts on that.
0: What are my thoughts about that? You know, it's funny. People say that to me um, a lot, actually, uh, that people like to walk up to me, strangers, and say... You know, heroes really got really crappy, but you were really great.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess doesn't hurt my feelings because it wasn't like I was writing the show. I guess you know I was given material and did what I could do. You know, um, I, you know, it, it, it's really hard to look at something and say that's good or bad when you're in it. Yeah, it, which you think I'd be able to step back at this point. And honestly, like I haven't gone back to watch those episodes, and you know a very long time. I watched them when they were on the air and I, I haven't watched any of them since. So I don't know. I And and I don't know if I should admit this, but I actually didn't watch the season after I died. <laughs> no.
2: um,
0: I Once I'm on a show, I didn't watch the rest of Friday Night Lights either. Um, once I'm on a show, I kind of don't watch anymore because it gets, it, it takes away a lot of the magic for me. So I had watched Heroes up until that point um, when I came on. But then after that, it's like you know I watch it and I'm like oh yeah I know that's on like that sound stage and you know it's just not
2: Oh it's, it's true. Not
0: the same. It's <laughs> I know you know I know you know what maybe even what writer wrote the episode you know so it's sort of like the magic's gone so I'm not sure if I could be if I could tell you whether or not it was good or bad after
2: Right that,
0: right when I joined
2: you know i think the, the no matter where you fall on it there are certainly characters and there's moments in the later season especially season 4 and did it go to a season 5 i don't even remember anymore No, but,
0: i think season 4 is the last yeah
2: you know there there were certainly moments with samuel and many others that, that really stuck out and a lot of there was actors performances that stuck out even if the scripting maybe was Less than stellar, but you know, I would say even there, there's probably some writing moments that were strong. And looking at some of your recent work, though, let's move on from heroes. Here, you've been doing a little bit more in the horror genre. It seems like Uh, is that something? uh, And one of our listeners actually asked, what kind of draws you? I guess in general to the sci-fi, but maybe to the to horror and thriller movies. Do you kind of seek those out, or do they kind of come to you?
0: You know, something. (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I, I, you know, it, I guess it's a chicken and egg thing, but um, something definitely happens once you start doing stuff that in the sci-fi horror genre that then people do seek you out for it. So I, I think one, I, I've like openly said that I love horror movies. I love sci-fi. I, I, I've always loved sci-fi, and uh, and so. That does mean that people send me a lot of those scripts probably more than someone sends me you know, the romantic comedy. In fact, I would actually say no one has ever sent me a romantic comedy saying I want you to play the lead. <laughs> not not ever once, um, <laughs> but, which is fine by me, although I could go for a romantic comedy every once in a while. Um, but what draws me to it, you know, one, the people are sending them to me, so I definitely read a lot more of them and probably have a stronger opinion about them. Um, but. I don't know. It's always been what I've liked. I, I think I sort of have the tastes of a, of a 14-year-old boy in that I like movies where things blow up and people are screaming and I, I just – I like that stuff and I think there's still so much – so much room in those genres whereas with romantic comedies or something like that, I rarely see something that I think is innovative and new whereas it's so – it's cool to see what's happening I think in the horror world and in the sci-fi world. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a very non-specific answer. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it should be like the the blood or the, the, the bad guys. I I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that one, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, fortunately for actresses, there's a, there's a lot of women in horror movies, which is super rad. And, um, you know, women and strong women at that, which is cool. And, and sci-fi as well. I mean, you can't. You know, talk about sci-fi without talking about Alien or something, and, and just talking about the strong women that are that are in those movies. And so, when I read a script like that, it's often that I'm reading about some strong female lead, and, and that's I like that. I think that's that's something for me to be drawn to for sure.
2: Do you ha- do you have a favorite uh, strong female lead? You mentioned um, you know obviously um, the Alien movie, but do you have a strong female lead that you really have loved in horror or maybe sci-fi?
0: Um, in movies, yes, or in a television, or it's just in movies. Um, uh,
2: yeah, either maybe either or both. So,
0: um, I mean, in TV, I would definitely say, um, I loved Alias, which is a little less genre, but um, and I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was definitely my favorite show, hands down, forever. Um, for movies, yeah, I mean, I love Ripley. Obviously, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, you know, and, and I'm, i mean, I do the same in comics. I definitely am drawn to the, to the comics, um, with strong, strong women. Like I love Cassie hack. I, I read hack slash, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite comics. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good <laughs> question. Like specific strong female leads. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Those, well, those are
0: the ones I'll go to though. Yeah.
2: So if you're a Buffy fan, are you also a brown coat?
0: Um, oh my god! I listened to you guys' um, podcast with the Browncoats, by the way. I okay. haven't seen it. I haven't seen ooh, it. Ooh. Um, I love to hear them talk, though. It was, uh, it was actually, it was kind of inspiring to listen to them talk. I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I, I loved the idea of them making their own thing, and then to hear them talk about the people recognizing them was just sort of like heartwarming to me. But oh, yeah, I haven't absolutely. seen it. I haven't seen it. I loved the fire. I loved Firefly, but I, I haven't seen uh, the Browncoat movie. Oh yeah. What is it called? It's called Browncoats. Yes,
2: Browncoats Redemption. But I was actually more insinuating. You know, or do you consider? Do do you love Firefly? Basically. Oh,
0: I see what the question was. Um, Yes, I did love Firefly. It was, or I guess I still do.
2: Yeah, and some strong female characters in that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, really.
2: really Yeah. So now, now you're a comic book
1: writer. Um, uh, Tell us about that.
0: I wrote a book that came out, started coming out maybe about a year ago um, called We Will Bury You. I co-wrote it with my brother. Um, And then it came out in trade form a few months ago. And then now I'm writing, co-writing another one, um, which is the Suicide Girls comic book. And they're both out on IEW. And I think Suicide Girls comes out in April. Don't quote me on that, though. I'm not sure about that.
2: Let's talk about these comic books for a little bit. Tell me, uh, what what is We Will Bury You about?
0: We Will Bury You is a zombie comic set in the 1920s. And um, my brother sort of had this idea to write about characters that you don't typically see in sort of these, like, leadership roles. You know, there's, like, a zombie apocalypse, and then you follow politicians and cops and people with money and people trying – who have all these skills. And we we wanted to follow people who have – not, not typical skills, um, but more like street smarts. Um, so we followed, uh, it's, the story centers around a, a prostitute, uh, a taxi hall dancer, which is, um, you know, it's paying for dances or possibly more, and um, a, uh, a thief. And they're both lesbians, and you, we follow them and see how they um, fight the zombies in the zombie apocalypse of, of the jazz era.
2: Right. So, any any reason we're set in the jazz era itself?
0: Well, for a lot of reasons. One, that's one of my I'm a, I was a history major. That's one of my favorite eras. But two, uh, I think there was just a lot of changes going on. You know, uh, one well we we played with time just a little bit, but there were um, you know the, the crash of the stock market, um, women's rights, and also just um, things going on in Spain, Spanish Revolution, stuff like that. So we were we kind of went. Um, we kind of wanted to combine all these historic events that were happening and and put a bunch of zombies in the middle of it. If that makes
2: sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that gives you a lot of material to pull from then too. It does.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, zombies are you know hot right now. Kind of like when vampires were a couple of years ago. Why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, Zane and I like to tell people that we started writing this comic. When I was still in Heroes, so three years ago, um, we started running it. We liked to think we were ahead of the curve, but it, then it took us a long time to get it done as projects go. You know, things are – artists dropped out. We had to redo a bunch of stuff. Um, whatever. So we like to think we're ahead of the curve. I don't really know if we were. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, for a while it was pirates, I feel like, and then maybe robots and then vampires and now zombies. I have a theory mm. maybe werewolves are next. No, so maybe. Yeah,
2: right. maybe, and then ghosts or something like that.
0: Ghosts, ghosts is a good one. Yeah
2: that, that would also that would also work. Yeah, I was just curious because you do, we do seem to go in phases in science fiction and horror, and um, and uh, you know, I think I think one of the resurgences with zombies right now is, of course, been Walking Dead. And yeah. have, have you have you read the comics or seen the show?
0: Yeah, both, both actually. Um, I loved the comics, and I've. Liked most of the episodes of the show. I, I, um, uh, yeah. I, I feel like they were that they, they came on pretty strong, and I, I feel like they're kind of still finding their way. But but they were good. I mean, they were good, and I thought the effects were good. And you know, I think AMC is doing some really cool stuff right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And the and the response to uh, We Will Bury You has been overall positive, I assume. Uh,
0: it is, and it isn't. Like, you know, I it's it's a weird thing. You know, it's funny. When I first started writing it, a lot of people were like, oh, you're an actress. What What the hell are you doing? You're trying to write <laughs> a comic book. Which is weird because, you know, I, I guess the assumption is that we're dumb. But <laughs> or but but it's weird that people don't assume that we're creative. Right. Um, and,
1: you want, and you want to diversify, too.
0: Yeah. And, and for me, I'm sort of a creative person who gets bored really easily. And, and actors, we have a lot of downtime. I mean... Time when we're working, I mean, I'm, you know, I may go on several auditions a week, but I, I'm not going to book them all, you know. So, at best, we're working. If we're on a show, we're working, you know, eight months out of the year. That leaves a good couple months for me to sit around and lose my mind. So, you know, I, I'm going to be writing something or doing something else, um, you know, taking up some sort of hobby. And uh, writing comics made the most sense for me because I already read
2: so many comics. Right. You know, and and really, it's not that far a departure from. I mean, a lot of actors write scripts. Why not write a script for a comic?
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Zane and I originally started writing scripts and um, we quickly realized that it was not um, terrain we were familiar with at that moment. Um, (laughs) So we moved over to comics. I mean, Zane, my brother, he also writes short stories and stuff. And and now I'm trying to write more scripts um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as an actor, you can do a couple of things. You can like... Use your downtime as that, you know, and, and, and hang out and, and do whatever you want, which I think is totally legit. But um, for me, I have to stay a little bit busy or else I, I I just could not be just an actor. I think it would kill me.
2: Right, right. <laughs> well, now, you, you obviously have a – you must have a fairly close relationship with your brother to be, do, to be involved with the comic creation with him and then in other projects as well. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the process of taking a comic – from beginning to publishing. I mean what's that like? Oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it's different from everyone. You know, um, you know, you we pitched and um we we pitched like like a normal people would and sent over our ideas and IDW let us write it. I think we pitched like twelve issues and they were like, we'll give you four which we were happy with. Um, you know, I don't we were very ambitious. And then yeah, we, at the time, um, we actually had Ben Timblesmith for all of our interiors, and he actually couldn't, ended up, couldn't. he couldn't do it because he went to go do Dead Space, or Dead Space 2, or something. Then we, so we to find an artist, and then, you know, you write a script, and then the artist writes, you know, starts drawing, and you realize that everything you've written is total crap, and you wrote things that are way too complicated and way too much for one panel, so you end up rewriting a bunch of stuff. Um and then you end up getting these pages back, and they're beautiful, and you can't believe someone actually took things that you wrote and made them into art. So that's sort of an amazing process, I think. Um, and and with Suicide Girls, it's also been really amazing. And I'm I'm working with Steve Niles and Missy Suicide, so we all have a lot of opinions about it. So it's <laughs> you know it's a fun process. There's a lot of people doing a lot of work on it, which is good and bad, I guess. Um, but in the same way that acting is, you know, you have a director, you have a DP, you have actors, you have writers, you know, you're all trying to put in your creative stamp, I guess, in some way. Hmm.
2: So tell us, uh, you mentioned Suicide Girls. Tell us a little bit about the premise for Suicide Girls for our listeners who might be interested.
0: Suicide Girls is a website. I'm sure you guys know about it. It is um, uh, a website with naked girls on it who have tattoos, right? <laughs> which is exciting, Um, and they wanted a comic book. Um, They've sort of branched out to essentially everything. I I think Missy Suicide is sort of creating an empire over there, and um, I don't know, they they were like, pitch an idea, see if we like it, and I was like, sweet, so I wrote up this idea, and um, it was, basically it's the idea I originally pitched, which is um, this sort of elite uh, uh, crime fighting, uh, elite fighting team of women, um, they're all suicide girls and they use the website as sort of a communication tool or, and, um, a front and they fight this giant, um, religious organization that's trying to take away, uh, women's rights and suppress women's sexuality um and there's cyborgs in there which i sort of insisted on so (laughs) So (laughs) the the religious people have a lot of cyborgs too
2: (laughs) (laughs) nice so you you get you get you get the sci-fi bent in there as well
0: i I kind of wanted it and and i had this whole idea that i mean the reason i think suicide girls is sort of a cool site is because um the women on their blog and they do they design their own photo shoots and they sort of humanize i mean there's there's a ton of naked girls on the internet, let's not be crazy, but I, I think Suicide Girls sort of humanizes the the girls, and they say, like, look, these girls have personalities, they have interests, they like music, and that's why I think it's, like, an interesting sight. Like, I kind of like being on there and looking at the photos and then looking at the, you know, at, at what kind of music they like, and it's just sort of, like, rounds them out as, like, real people as opposed to just, uh, you know, naked girl with her legs spread or whatever, you know, um, which there's nothing wrong with that, I mean power to you, whatever you want to do. Um, but I, so my idea was that, uh, robots were the opposite of like a, a human woman that I don't know that, that, uh, that works at all that metaphor. But for me, it was my, that was my idea. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I asked. No, I'm just kidding. You <laughs> asked. No, no, but 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 it does play into. It continues to get you into the writing of of comics and stuff like that. Uh, what future projects do you have in your plate? Other than maybe, I mean, obviously, you're still working in these comics. Are are you done writing the Suicide Girls? Is that a finished project?
0: No, actually, um, Zane and I are just doing rewrites on issue three so issue one and issue one and two are in the can or issue one is done issue two is still being drawn um we're writing issue three and then i think four will be the final issue for that it's just a mini
2: very good so you're breaking into the comic book world that's kind of cool and you've obviously you've been a comic fan then
0: yeah yeah i have for i mean not as long i i feel like i'm always very behind on um on the sci-fi comic horror world, especially because my friends, I feel like, are the most well-read and nerdiest of the nerds, so they can like bring up stuff that I'm like, I have no idea what that movie is, or I have no idea what that book is. Um, but but yeah, I've, I've been reading comics for maybe ten years or so.
2: Oh, very cool. Do you have a do you have a favorite that you uh,
0: go back ever, to ever ever
2: yeah, ever ever of ever? all time of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on uh, the spot you know, the here. The comic
0: I, I read that got me into comics was The Invisibles. Okay. Um, that, was, that was one of my my favorites of all time. The one that I get excited for every week is X Factor or every month is X Factor.
2: Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I did not grow up in comics. so I'm, you know, I, I kind of grew up – my sci-fi was reading. I, you know, I read a lot right. of sci-fi and then I got into television and movies after that. And Every once in a while I get into comics. I'm into Walking Dead. I love The Walking Dead but I don't watch – I don't, I don't get into a lot of other comics. I don't, have, I don't have the time. That's more more than anything. But
0: It takes so much time, and I do feel like the more I write, the less I read, which is unfortunate um, that I don't have, I just don't have the time to go and read everything I want to read. I have a stack of things to read yeah. on my shelf right now. It's just depressing to me.
1: <laughs> well, Bria, if I could add one more thing to it. I, I ran into somebody uh, locally, uh, him and a few of his friends. are putting out their own zombie comic book. Uh, well, it's a World War II zombie comic uh, <gasps> called Fubar. Oh <laughs> huh. that sounds so, uh, that sounds
2: amazing. Yeah. So you,
1: yeah, so just you know, maybe something to check out, uh you know, in, in your future reading. Yeah. I wonder uh, they, if we they... need to
0: combine at some point and do some sort of, you know, how the zombies went from nineteen twenty the nineteen because mine's in nineteen twenty nine.
2: Right. Yeah, you know? right. so
0: that that could be like you know, the stretch that they've still been there or something. We need to maybe
2: mm-hmm.
0: combine our forces somehow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A crossover. Yeah. So right. What, what, what future projects do you have in your plate?
0: Let's see. I have a movie coming out on Sci-Fi Channel this year, which that's, I guess, the one Sci-Fi thing that I'm going, um, called Ice Road Terror. I don't know when that airs, but it's, uh, I play a scientist who's fighting a giant ice creature. Um, so that's pretty fun. And then, um, and then I'm working on um, a couple of comics projects that we're pitching to various people right now. And then I, I wrote a, a co-wrote a movie, and um, we're hoping to shoot that in the fall. That's the the thing that I've been working on the most, and it's um, an apocalyptic road trip movie um, that I star in along with my co-writer um, Vera Meow. So that's what I'm working on right now.
2: Oh, very cool. Well, uh, I love post-apocalyptic stuff, so I'll be looking. Forward well, it's to that.
0: not post-apocalyptic.
2: Oh, it's apocalyptic.
0: So it's happening during an apocalypse.
2: Oh yeah.
0: I don't want people to be confused and to think that it's you know right absolutely. It's no Mad Max.
2: (laughs) Break out the guns. No, very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us here. Uh, Before we go, where can people find out information about the things that you're doing and the things that you're involved in?
0: Um, My website is BriaGrant.com And I try to update it once a week or so With just things that are happening But my Twitter is really the best way That that I update every day obviously And and get to communicate with people a lot more And talk to fans and talk to people Um, And that's just at BriaGrant
2: Thank you for being with us here tonight Bria No problem And chatting with us here on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast (laughs) back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We're going to end the show by bringing you a Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that you won't want to miss. This is the top five Sci-Fi relationships from Radu. Notice these are not romantic relationships necessarily, but they can be. These are top Sci-Fi relationships from Radu. So Radu, thank you so much for sending these in all the way from North Vancouver. If you ever get up there, say hi to Radu. At least wave out the window. Um, he's probably a sci-fi actor. He just, doesn't, he just doesn't let us know that because everyone in Vancouver is a sci-fi, sci-fi actor. Of course. Yeah. So Radu, uh, let us know who you really are. No. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start off. He has a, These aren't numbered in any particular order. Um, and uh, I'll take the odds. Miles will take the evens. And so the first sci-fi relationship that he put on his list was Farscape's Moya and the pilot. So once separate entities now merge together on the most intimate levels, body and mind, this relationship alone makes Farscape series very special. Leviathan, the living ship called Moya, and the entity simply called the pilot. Their minds and bodies are bonded together, creating a very special symbiotic relationship, communicating directly, sharing thoughts and feelings. Others around them can never understand how deep the bond really is, and that's part of the Farscape mystique. Again, I did watch the first two seasons of Farscape, and that bond was definitely evident.
1: The next one is Star Trek Voyager's uh, Holographic Doctor in 709. Talk about blind leading the blind. A collection of photons and software routines teaching a former Borg, Borg drone about love and dating. Oh, yeah, this one was special. Two loners craving for companionship and love created many memorable moments. The two strong, uh, and pr- strong personalities bonded against all odds in the universe and cared for each other very much. Uh, this is very yeah. I, this was a good, this is a good uh, you know um, good one to pick out. Radu. I mean uh, it, the doctor kind of served as Seven uh, Nines uh, uh, mentor and just helping her socialize uh, and just kind of uh, rejoin the human race, which was interesting because he was not human himself. He was a you know holographic computer program, um, but it was a you know good you know yeah. He kind of had romantic feelings for her, but um, he kind of kept those. Uh, uh, hidden and he you know just uh
2: he was her friend it was it was a good uh good good, good friendship uh on the show yeah and i've yet to see it <sighs> okay um and the third one was Chuck's uh, Chuck's Chuck and Casey relationship. At first, he tries to kill him, then saves his life. I guess you'd never know with Chase, uh, Casey and Chuck. Casey seems to despise Chuck from the bottom of his heart one moment, then admires him the next. This is what makes this relationship so fun to watch. Chuck cares for Casey very much, even looks up to him. Casey always looks down at Chuck as an older brother, uh, would a younger sibling. He kind of wishes he wasn't there, but can't let him be at the same time. Fun, fun, fun. And I would agree with that. That is uh, uh, an awesome way to define the Chuck and Casey relationship. Again, I haven't watched past season two, but you definitely see that in and throughout seasons one and two.
1: The next one is uh, Fringe's uh, Dr. Bishop and P- Peter Bishop. This relationship goes way beyond the grave. Who wouldn't who a loving parent do get their child back. Kidnapping an alternate version from a parallel universe? Sure, why not? Risking a collapse of not one but two universes? Yep. We don't know where this story takes us next, but I'm sure the relationship between Peter and Walter Explorer uh, will will be explosive. Uh, Pun intended. Can't wait to see how it ends, but I'm hoping it'll be a long time before that
2: happens. Amen. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I need any more commentary. No, no more commentary there. And absolutely wonderful one of the things that makes Fringe what it is. And we're going to end with another Farscape one, and this is John Crichton and Aaron Sun. Their relationship started with a fight. She won, by the way. And climax was the birth of a baby boy. Everything between a wonderful roller coaster ride, love, hatred, heroism, and cowardly betrayal, death, and rebirth. What more can you ask for? The story taking place on a living sp- spaceship in a far, far away galaxy. You betcha so definitely worth worth um, a relationship and definitely is one of I did not watch it you know where it really got into the intimate relationship, but they were hinting at that uh, playing out and the fact that he she kind of had feelings for him and they're on this renegade spaceship' it's very cool. Well thank you, Radu for sending in your top sci-fi relationships for the sci-fi five and five. And if you want to submit your sci-fi five and five, you can do so by emailing them to the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or calling in and leaving an audio version of that. Or you can attach it to an email, by the way. But if you're outside the U.S., but if you're in the US and want to call in at 888 508 4343 and leave your sci-fi five and five, we'll put them on the air. So very cool. So, Miles, I believe we're about ready to wrap up the show, aren't we? Okay, well, until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Oh, hey.
1: Find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.